This is your Other Brothers Podcast. Your other brothers podcast. We're a community navigating faith, homosexuality, and masculinity together. From the jewel of the Blue Ridge on a super chilly Asheville, North Carolina day. My name is Tom. Good to see you guys. Joining me, I'm assuming it's cold. If it's cold here, it's got to be cold everywhere, right? Let's go to the handprint of God of Michigan with our other brother, Ben. What's up, Ben? What's up, Tom? It is indeed cold here. The snow is Ooh. falling and I will be shoveling shortly. Oh my gosh, are you really? Dang. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if we don't shovel, they actually give us a ticket if we don't shovel the sidewalk. Oh my gosh, that is so Michigan. Hashtag so Michigan. Um, he knows all about Michigan, but he now calls the frozen tundra his home of Alberta, Canada. It's Will. What's up, Will? Hey, so it's like minus two here, so it's a warm spell. Minus two. Is that Fahrenheit or Celsius? Which language Celsius, are you speaking? Celsius, the only real language when it comes to temperature. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I saw a, a Canadian TikToker that I follow the other day. He was just going off and ranting about the metric system, or not about the metric system, about America's lack of metric system. And he was just, he was so right. It's it's He speaks the truth, but we, we can't do anything about it now. We're, we're too stuck in our ways, right? Yeah. Change change is not possible. Well, I was going to say, you Americans are stubborn, but I'm a U.S. citizen, so I really have no place to speak. Yeah. Take ownership of who you are. <laughs> what did Mufasa tell Simba? Remember who you are. Maybe I was meant to be Canadian. That's like, maybe that's You were meant to be... No, you were meant to be Icelandic in the 1600s. That's what you were meant to be. Yeah, actually, that is true. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Ben and Will, I'm so glad you're here today. We're continuing, you know, post 100 episodes, you guys. We're just putting the gas down. We're just continuing on in this journey. Um, We're going through a series to kick off 2023 about Yob's seven values. Last time we talked about hope, our first value. And today, Ben and Will are with me to talk about humility, our second value. So that is a teaser for what's to come as we are episode two of seven. This is like when you gather the, um, what are those things called? What are those things from the Avengers where you have to get all the stones? What are those things? (laughs) Today, we're getting the humility stones. The the infinity stones, is that? Infinity stones, there we go. There we go. I, I, I don't marvel that often so i don't i just watch marvel for the hot guys and are they going to some sort of gauntlet eventually do we have a gauntlet for i them? hope so i hope at the end we have seven stones that go in a gauntlet and you if you have all the values you are you are a true man of god that is that is what we're shooting for here <laughs> so humility stone after we got we got the hope stone last time you know we put our values on literal stones when we go to the retreat so i mean there's that's why i thought about that i was like and it made me think because we've had what we've had uh four camp retreats now we've had two virtual retreats 
Like there's got to be somebody out there who's got like almost all of the stones now. They, they've got to be getting close between all the tribes they've been placed on. If they've been with us from the beginning and gone to all of these retreats. Like I was even thinking about myself. Like I, I think I've been on most of the tribes at this point. There's a couple that I'm missing, but I would have to do a deep dive to, to look at my stones and figure out. I'll have to examine so the my best stones. out of context quotes, right? Would be, wow, look at the stones on that guy. Okay, moving on. Yeah. I mean, so what if like at future camp retreats, yeah, you're required to bring your stones from previous retreats. And then just for that joke, that'd be so fun. And then, you know, I am inevitable. I am Bible man. Oh, <laughs> uh, does did either of you run into Bible man when you oh, were I did. young? Absolutely. Okay. All right. There you Bible go. man was there like a, Tony Stark was like a TV show superhero. And then I also played the computer game Captain Bible. I don't know if anyone out there played Captain Bible. <laughs> Well, you're just in shock right yeah, now. Yeah, what is wrong with evangelical <laughs> culture? That's like... Here's here's a little dive into Captain Bible. I don't really remember all of it, but there's like all of these robots in the maze and they would confront you with a lie and you would have to confront them with the appropriate scripture that counters the lie. And then when you did, you take your sword and you like stab it three or four times and then the robot will die. <laughs> so what sort of epistemological framework did the robots use that you had to encounter? <laughs> I don't know. I, I honestly, I don't remember. You can check it. I, you can check YouTube and there's like Captain Bible clips, which are like super weird and dated. But yeah, along the way, Captain Bible finds these, these men and women who are like enslaved by their deceptions and lies. And he has to like use the word of God to bring them light and like bring them onto his team and then at the end, at the end, you guys, it's so beautiful because at the end, Captain Bible gets like hypnotized by the enemy or something. And all of the friends that he rescued, they have to like remind him of who he is in Jesus. And he sees the light. It's beautiful. It's just a sort of... <laughs> now, did Bible man go after the different theological traditions too that contradicted each other? Or was it, was it no. just uh, non-Christians? Is that it? <laughs> Are you talking about Bible Man or Captain Bible? I, you know, I don't know. Different. Are they different things? Like this is <laughs> they are. They're different. I only grew up with Salty the Hymnal, so I. I... Oh yes, Salty the, the Hymnal. Yeah, we love. We love. This is so great. You know, we could. I feel like we need some of these segments every once in a while because we we got our Christian kids listening. They they know what we're talking about. Stay tuned next time for Veggie Tales. <laughs> Did you guys have Jungle Jam and Friends, the radio show, or Razzle Flab and Island? Those Jungle two? Jam. That was those. that was totally me. Okay. Okay. And Adventures and Odyssey. Like my brothers and I would like like lay down in front of the radio watching the radio for some reason and listen to Adventures and Odyssey every Sunday evening. That was that was my childhood. Wits end. Right. We're still waiting for the live action Adventures and Odyssey movie. We'll get there. We'll get there when we do. Um, you guys, happy New Year. This is my first time seeing each of you in 2023. Anything, anything new to report? Anything exciting? Or to, to we're going to circle back to our Hope podcast in a second. But what is there something in 2023 maybe that you're looking forward to? I'd love to just get a quick little, quick little update. Is there anything on the either near or further out horizon maybe for you this year? I am getting into the more practical classes in counseling right now. Uh, we got put into breakout rooms 
and got to practice on one another the other day. And we're told, do not bring stuff from your real life into the counseling of one another, which we all promptly ignored. And it just so happened that the three of us that were in this little breakout room had all recently changed careers to go into counseling. And one of the other guys was also leaving ministry to go into counseling. So we got to psychoanalyze one another and it was a lot of fun. So yeah, like my classes, like where this is going, it's getting into the practical stuff. So that's cool. So you're thriving outside of the pulpit. I am. That's good to hear. What about Pastor Will? How are you still doing behind that pulpit? You know, I'm, I've been distracting myself by reading the, the very famous work, uh, Richard Whitford's Diverse Holy Instructions and Teachings, Very Necessary for the Health of Man's Soul, uh, a 16th century work that I'm sure Ooh. all of you have read. Future uh, book club entry. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you have to know uh, early modern English from 1541. Uh, so see what did I, t- oh, I said 1600s before. So 1500s. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's I was a century off. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. I, I always know that you're reading something fascinating and interesting. So that's I don't good know. Is that fascinating and interesting? Like it, it is for me, but to anybody else. We have some fives listening. Maybe they're maybe they're picking up what you're putting down. Who knows? <laughs> The five signal, the, it's a wavelength that only few are privileged to to be attuned to. Um, well, it's good. I'm glad glad to see you guys again. It's going to be fun over the next five episodes, well, six, including this one, um, to keep bouncing around with all the guys in Yab and having these episodes and talking about our values, how the values um, line up with our community, how they hit us individually as well. Um, so really looking forward to that. Wanted to do a quick little recap. You know, this this episode is weird and special because there's so much callback. I need to do so much like calling back to our previous episode because we have like errors and corrections and late comments. Like there's a lot to do. So I'm just gonna jump right into all of that um, real quick. So I we had a voicemail. Let's start off with this. We had a voicemail in the last episode where somebody for the first time realized that my initials, Thomas Mark Zuniga, indeed are TMZ. And he thought that was the most hilarious thing because there's a super annoying Hollywood tabloid magazine called TMZ that covers like Lindsay Lohan's addiction or Justin Bieber paparazzi meltdown or all that annoying things. Um, and so, he, and then I made a comment. I was like, I, I hate that. I hate that my initials are, I don't hate my initials, but I hate that this this company, this this magazine, picked the most three random letters to make their name because I had no idea why it was even called TMZ. And one of our supporters, one of our listeners, he reached out and said, did you know that TMZ, it stands for the 30 mile zone in and around Hollywood that they cover the 30 mile zone. I had no idea. I had no idea that's what TMZ stands for to cover like LA Hollywood and all that vibe out there. So Thank you for illuminating me, listener. I had no idea that that is, just call me 30 Mile Zone. If we're looking for new nicknames, 30 Mile Zone right here in and around the Blue Ridge, a lot of excitement in this part of the world. Um, so that was that. I also referenced in Mark 12. So this was this was a parable that Jesus told. I called the parable, um, the parable of the wicked wine dressers. And I had to double check um, my English. I don't English so well sometimes. It's actually not a wine dresser. It's a vine dresser. So I needed to just state that, that it's, they're the wicked vine dressers, 
Oh, the titles of the parables are made up, so you can go with whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I think yeah, that's that's true. The the parables are made up. The titles are. Yeah, I was gonna but... say not the parables. It's the titles. <laughs> well, technically, Jesus Jesus made up the parables too. If we're just forgetting really nitpicky there, but but I'm I'm not sure if a wine dresser is actually a thing compared to a vine dresser, which is definitely a thing. Well, so, you could dress sure. little bottles of wine, right? Like it's. Uh... <laughs> It's a different dressing. Yeah. Maybe it's a different responsibility. They're dressing the the vineyard. They're not dressing the, the wine, I guess. I guess that's the distinction there. Um, so I needed to say that. I needed to get that clarification done. And then we got this amazing comment. I felt so sad because this comment came in. You know, I always try to give the yabbers a deadline. Like, please post comments before, you know, this recording time. Because we have these recording times scheduled a few days or a week in advance. Um, and then anyone that comments before that, if it's a good comment or a good questions, then I'll read it on these episodes as I've done so many times. Um, and I was so sad when this one came in, like right after we finished recording, I, I was like, oh my gosh, that is so good. And we brought it up. We had a zoom call with our community about hope a couple weeks ago. And there was so much good stuff that we picked apart from this comment. So I had to read it on the air, even though we're talking about humility today. This is again, our little hope PS conversation. Um, and so this is from one of our yobbers who's been around for years now. He's left lots of insightful, great comments on our, on our episodes. But he had this to say about hope. He says this, A while back, I read something by author and spiritual director Helen Sapiro that has ever since broadened my perspective on the power of hope. She says this, Understanding the difference between hope and expectation is critical if we are to allow our future to be shaped by God. Hope longs for good, but is able to be flexible about how that good might appear. Expectation grasps at solutions and becomes easily attached to outcomes. When we are hopeful, our imagination and creativity flourish. But when we are locked in expectations, it is easy to turn our picture of the possible future into an idol. And then our Yabra goes on to say this, as long as I expected to become straight in order to be happy and to be holy, my hopes were constantly dashed. As a teenager, when I realized I had same-sex attraction, I was devastated. When I tried reparative therapy and it didn't work, I was devastated again and again, even as I tried and tried and tried to change. Ultimately, I spent decades aspiring to be a quote-unquote normal heterosexual male, but could never seem to attain that goal. It was like beating my head against a wall. One day, when I realized this magical transformation was never going to happen, that I was probably never going to be rid of my same-sex attraction, it was the beginning of a midlife crisis for me. From that point on, I continued to wrestle with my sexuality for many more years, and the more I wrestled, the more my struggle only seemed to be getting worse. I wasn't acting out on my desires, but my thoughts and dreams were going in a very dark, hopeless downward spiral. And then, one day, I decided I was done. I felt like I just couldn't live with this struggle any longer. On that day, I said to God, I'm gay. And much to my surprise, God said, I know, and I still love you. And that was the very day I began to find hope. Hope that God could still use me even if I was gay. Hope because I suddenly understood that my sexuality didn't disqualify me from God's purpose, but on the contrary, could even be used for his glory. Since coming out to myself, I feel I've experienced more hope every day than I did in all those years before, because I gave up on my expectation that I had to be straight in order to be happy and holy, and instead put my hope in God's ability to use me and love me just as I am. I am so incredibly thankful for this gift of God and ever hopeful that he has more and more in store for my future. 
I should maybe add a clarifying statement here. I don't find my hope in a male lover, but I'm still happily married to my wife. I don't find my hope in an identity because I've never come out publicly and few people even know I'm gay. Where I do find hope is in God who was never surprised by my sexuality, but loves me unconditionally and fills me with hope the more and more I walk with him. I am so freaking crazy thankful. So that was just too good. I was like, a lot of times, I'll be honest, I've, I've, I've worn my like hardline editor's cap when late comments have come in and I've just been like, well, great comment, sorry, you missed the deadline, I can't do anything about it. When I read that, I was like, I have to read it, I have to. There's no way to like go back and reinsert it into the previous episode. So I hope, I hope that if you listen to the hope episode that people listening to this humility episode can kind of get that as a PS to our conversation. Cause that was, that was great. We had a great zoom conversation with our community about that distinction between hope and expectation. I thought that was particularly, um, particularly meaningful when we look at, when we consider our sexuality, cause I'm sure we've all at one time or another had an expectation or two of what our sexuality might look like <laughs> or turn into. Yeah, there's so much in that uh that I could relate to like uh with like the the um hope that was like built in uh to reparative therapy and uh the inevitable crashing of that of that hope or the the expectation there and it's uh um yeah, that's that's those comments were pretty powerful and a uh, lot to unpack there too with issues of identity and whatnot. And I thought it was very nuanced. This idea behind hope versus expectation also makes me think of faith and doubt. Doubt is not the enemy of faith. Certainty is the enemy of faith. Because when you're certain of something, you no longer have to exercise faith in it. The entire idea behind hope, as opposed to like expectation, expectation, like I will have this thing, I must have this thing. It's like a demanding thing versus hope is an invitation. I don't know. That's kind of what comes to mind for me, at least. Hope is by its very nature, positive expectation sets you up for disappointment, maybe. Yeah, faith and doubt and hope and despair and expectation, like these are all swirling around as we as we talk about them. And and I just love, I mean, reading that comment, it's just like that encapsulates Yab in so many ways, just like the ability to be real about this journey and about how difficult it is, but then how um, how often God does meet us in those times of despair and those times of doubt and those times of wondering, what is he doing? Why isn't he making me straight? Why is he not making my life easier? Um, and he's he's doing a beautiful thing in this community. I just I'm blown away again and again by the comments. And we got some great comments today. Little teaser. Got some great comments today about humility. So I'm excited to to dive into this. Um, before we get there, you guys, I teased it in the last episode. I put the the sparrow signal out there. I was like, we need an Apple podcast review. We haven't had one in so long. And what better time to rate and review our show? then to start off a new year 2023 who's going to be the first one to to sign up and to leave us a, a star some level of star review give us one star for all i care but no i i put the signal out there and we got one we got one you guys we got a five star review from babaluski babaluski i actually know who this is and so i'm really i'm really just happy i'm happy that babaluski um left us a comment on apple Podcasts. here's what babaluski 
I'm going to say it as much as I can. I had to say. Uh, he said, I'm probably not in the category of people that Tom or any of the other hosts would consider the, the quote unquote target audience. Nevertheless, I listen to the show regularly and always come away having learned something new or feeling rejuvenated in my faith. Yah presents real people with real struggles and questions trying to navigate their lives with their faith. Anyone with any amount of humiliation revolving around some social aspects that the Christian church has deemed shameful will find refuge in the musings and thoughtful dialogue of these guys. A big recommend for anyone with any amount of history or interest in following Jesus in the 20th century. So that made me smile. Um, I'm just grateful, grateful for all of our reviewers, whether they're gay, whether they're straight, whether they're male, whether they're female, uh, whether you fit our quote unquote target audience. Um, I've been blown away time and again that I think I think I know who our target audience is. And then I hear from people like Baba Lusky, and I'm like, oh, you listen, you listen to our show and you keep listening and you keep getting stuff from it. That's awesome. Like, I, I love that. So thank you for uh, for leaving that comment. If anyone want, out there wants to comment under a fun alias like Baba Lusky, just go to Apple Podcasts. You can choose your own alias and have some fun with it. We'd love to read your rating review on the air. Thanks to all that do it. It keeps it keeps the algorithm going. It helps people find our show. So thank you guys. And a big shout out to our sponsor for this episode. All of our sponsors for these values um, are, they come from the artwork that a uh, very talented Wesley Ayers has done for our website. So this episode on humility, it's sponsored by Acorns. Acorns, the loveliest little nut you'll ever find. I don't know. I had to think of this. Acorns didn't give me a slogan to to work with. I had to think of that right off the top of my head. I, that was pretty good, right? The loveliest little nut. Beautiful, beautiful slogan. <laughs> I'm, I'm just a moved Isn't emotionally. It... <laughs> um... Wait, I'm actually thinking about that. Is an acorn a nut or is it a seed? I think it's a seed, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the difference. I'm not a botanist. There's probably, there's probably an Enneagram 5 listening right now who's like already typing up an email to send me about what an acorn is. <laughs> Ben's tilting his head and looking up. He's trying to pretty pretty sure pretty sure it's a pretty sure it's a seed. That's what I think too. Uh, I, I think. I think it's a I seed think. too, but whatever. The tagline remains the loveliest little nut you'll ever see. Um what's really cool about the acorn, so if you go to our website I'll say this every time, yourotherbrothers.com slash values. You can check out our values. You can check out our artwork um, from Wesley, his website, artofatlas.com. Check him out. Um, he did a great job on these. The The symbol for our humility value is not just an acorn, but an acorn with roots like exploding out of its head. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever seen like an acorn um, coming to life, becoming an oak tree before our very eyes. But it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful visual when, you know, you just picture that little tiny acorn. We could have, we could have chosen a mustard seed as our humility icon, but I don't think that would have popped as well as, as this acorn with roots sprouting does in the 21st century. So um, that would have been fun if I told Wesley, can you design us a mustard seed? And he just like gave us a dot. <laughs> I'm assuming that's what a mustard seed looks like. Um, but yeah, the acorn. Thank you, acorns, for sponsoring this episode on humility. Let me read what we have on our website to describe our value of humility and the scripture that corresponds with it. Um, so for humility, we, you're the brothers, humbly walk with the posture that we are not our own. We are bought at a price, trusting God's story beyond anything we could pen for ourselves. 
We faithfully follow our author's lead, whatever the culture, living our stories for his glory and not our own. Our scripture comes from Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So that is the framework for our little discussion today. And as I joked with Ryan and Aaron in our last episode of of hope, um, you know, we can oscillate between two extremes. Like last time we could talk about hope and despair. Um, Today we can talk about humility and pride, but nothing in between. We can't be ambiguous. We can't be just middle of the road. We have to either be super humble today or super prideful. So are you guys ready? Are you guys ready to go one way or the other? <laughs> Real quick question. Uh, did you like take that definition from the the 16th century catechism, uh, the Heidelberg catechism that that begins with, uh, was your only comfort in life and life and in death? I'm not my own, but belong body and soul to my faithful savior, Jesus Christ, because that's what I immediately thought of. Whoa, <laughs> I was ch- I was channeling that person because I totally have read that person. Wait, you, you've read <laughs> Zacharias or Sinus? Oh, that's so exciting. Ben, I have no idea what he's saying. What words is he using? I don't know. I don't know if it was a man or a woman or <laughs> if this was a book that was written recently or not recently, but it, 16th century, not recently. It's, okay. Uh, so I was anytime somebody uses the word catechism, <laughs> my eyes glaze over and I hear this ringing in the back of my head. And then sometimes I wake up in a completely different place. So I'm just thankful that hey, I'm if still there's here. if there's catechism, a person catechism. listening to this episode that understood what I said, that knows the Heidelberg catechism, let us know because I'm just interested if there's like one. Like uh, I am too. I'm interested anytime you reference something, if anyone out there knows who that is or what that is, I'm always interested by that. Um, But no, that's cool. That's cool that you had, I'm assuming a positive connotation with the description. Oh yeah. I did not read, did not read that author, um, but that's cool. That's cool that there's a similar language, similar language there. Yeah, I mean, the history of our values, I've mentioned this before when we, we first started, when we first started, we didn't have an about page. We didn't necessarily have values. We didn't have values. I think we we got our five values maybe a year or two into Yab. Um, we started out with five values and then a year or two later realized that maybe there was like some, some gray area or something that wasn't as evident um, in our community that needed to be made more evident. And so then we went to seven values and juggled some around, added some. Um, humility, both hope and humility carry over from the five to the seven. And for me, um, you know, hope was the first value to like make it on there. Like it was so clear, like our first original design was like a group of, do you guys remember this? A group of three boys in a boat and there was a star in the sky and they were like pointing to the star in the sky. Like that was the visual I think we had when we started job back in 2015, um, that we're all going on this journey together and it's like pitch blackout and there's, we don't know where we're going, but there is a star in the sky and that's our hope and that's our guide. Um, we're following it. And so, so hope for me is very personal because it's like such a, a visual. I didn't mention that in the last episode. I can't believe I didn't do that. This episode's already so full of hope. Eventually we're going to talk about humility. I promise. Um, but humility, I would say is a strong number two. It'd be like a one B as far as our values go, because for me that like that, that charge from Jesus to deny ourselves, that's not just in areas of sexuality, like sexuality is one area in a direction separate from what many people might tell us to go. It's, it hits on everything. Like I've, I've learned in therapy that I, I have so many other things that I need to deny and bring to the foot of the cross and, and carry daily because it's, uh, 
the essence of living this this life of following Jesus is constantly dying to self and following him. And so this this value of humility for me was was just so obvious from the beginning that, yeah, we're a community that's going to do things maybe a little differently than maybe a lot of people inside and outside the church might think of us. And so um, I'm just excited. I'm excited to get into this distinction maybe between all the different flavors of pride. Um, Because when I think about the antithesis to humility, we talk about pride in this community, but I think it's there's a distinction of like what what is what is bad pride and what is good pride. Um, So we might talk about that a little bit as well. So I don't know. Right off the bat, do any any thoughts come to mind, Ben and Will, about just like the value of humility in our community before we start diving into our individual stories? This is something I've only heard about but haven't seen because I wasn't able to go on the, you know, the first job retreat um, or was it even the second job retreat, but whichever one it was where y'all had to make your own food, uh, the people who readily volunteered to make, you know, pretty much every meal and, you know, gave of their time for that. And I mean, yeah, there can be fellowship had when you're in the kitchen working alongside other people, but I know one of the big things within our community is the idea of FOMO, you know, fear of missing out and to put yourself in a space where you're confined, you know, working on food stuff means that you're missing out on doing something else. So, you know, this idea of humbling yourself, putting other people first, um, potentially missing out on something. Yeah, I see humility actively at work in our people, which I think is awesome. Yeah, I had a little bit of a tremor of anxiety when you referenced the fact that we used to cook our own meals at these retreats because <laughs> we will never do that again. But but yeah, this first two years we did that and I'm so grateful for the humility of uh, the guys to do that, not just to cook, but then to clean as well. Um, always in good spirits. Um, and I, I even have one guy at the, the last retreat that we had just a few months ago. Um, there's one precious yabber that comes to mind. Um, and he would just, and we gave him some affirmations when we did an affirmation circle at the end of the retreat, but like he would just like wake up early and help the, the kitchen staff, um, like set up the coffee, um, or like pick up trash or like rearrange the chairs in the dining hall. And that to me was just like such a, a servant heart on full display. This, this guy in our community who did that like every, every morning and every evening of the retreat. So Give some give some love specifically to him if he's listening. But um, but that's a snapshot of our community. They they're they are a humble lot. They are they're just awesome awesome individuals. Well, and I think like one of the core things with uh, humility is the the recognition that that you need to depend on God and others that you can't like go through this life by yourself. And so the very fact that our community exists uh, means that we uh, realize that we need each other um, like uh, because of the the situations we are in with our sexuality and whatnot we need each other to just kind of make it through the make it through the day and so that that provides uh, uh, humility recognizing that we just can't do this on our own that is so good. I didn't even like think about that when I was preparing for this episode just like the distinction maybe from other subsets of people. I'm not calling out straight people or straight men in particular, but I'm just saying there might be other subsets of people um, that that doesn't come as naturally. There's, uh, I think, especially in masculine culture, there is that idea that we're, if we're men, we we like fix things on our own. We do things by ourselves and figure out problems and don't cry about it. And 
And we will cry about things in this community and we will lean on each other and support each other in circles. Um, and it's just like, I think that is, that's, that's, that's an area of humility in our community. I haven't even like considered until you just verbalize that. That's, that's really beautiful and so true. And if any other things come to mind, y'all, please give affirmations to our community. This is a weird part of the conversation because I want to ask us now as individuals in the community, when have you been so humble? Like brag about yourself for a little bit, but it's not in a braggadocious way. It really is a self-affirmation. Like if you can think of specific instances in your life where you had an opportunity to go a prideful way, to choose your own path apart from Jesus, but you stayed the course and you followed what you believe Jesus was calling you to. And there could be a really obvious answer to that, which I won't necessarily say, but um, but if there's any specific junctures in your life where you just feel, um, where you feel that humility value really especially shine forth. Like I want, I want you to take that opportunity to share as a self-affirmation, not as then a contradictory, boasting prideful thing that you're saying because i think i think in our community i know i'll just speak for myself it's all too easy for me to say how awful i am and how i'm messed up i am and how i do all the wrong things um when i need to give myself some credit for doing a lot of the right things that i believe god's calling me to and so um so i just want to put that out there as a little preface to this conversation we're not bragging we're just self-affirming or if you see something ooh, this would be fun if you see something in one of the other two guys on this show um, and you want to call out something in them that is that is a point of humility, then by all means, please do that. Um, because then the flip side of that question is a time where you've been prideful. We'll cover that in a second. But I want to stay in the humility end of the pool first before we before we dive into pride. Because <laughs> I feel like that's a whole other conversation. So, so I'm curious if any stories come to mind from y'all's lives. So this is this is a story of dichotomies, what it is. Um, and of course, I'm, I'm going to have to reference Brene Brown at some point in this podcast, I think. Queen B. I know, right? Not Beyonce. It's Brene Brown, everybody. <laughs> Absolutely. Here comes the hate mail. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, actually, first, I'm not referencing her. So the opposite of pride is not shame. The opposite of pride is humility. Uh, but there are times when <laughs> humility and, and shame might actually look similar. They might actually look similar, at least for a time. And there's times when what once was a shame reaction can transform and and actually become humility. Uh, so this is self-confession on my part. One of the things that... And this is not meant to pat self on back. So this is not pride statement, though it will sound like it. One of the things that I'm known for is for bringing people together, um, you know, trying to get, you know, different local people all together in one space to be able to have fellowship, to be able to encourage one another. And originally, you know, this was somewhat subconscious, but I also recognize at times that I was doing this, I would invite multiple people. But the reason that I was inviting multiple people was actually out of shame because I didn't feel like I was enough for somebody to want to hang out with. In other words, like if I'm going to invite, you know, person A to come hang out, if they know that it's just going to be me there, they're going to say no. But maybe if they find out that person B and person C are going to be there as well, they're going to show up. So that's that shame aspect of 
I'm not good enough. That's not humility. That's shame working there. And over time, as you know, I became more more confident in my standing with God, my and in my standing these relationships. Um, I realized, oh gosh, people actually do love me. And rather than having this like FOMO experience, if I heard that people were going off and doing their their own thing, the humility aspect for me was realizing I'm actually at a point where where I'm okay with that. Like I don't I don't have to be at the center of everything. It's it's not about me. It's and before it was, I wasn't bringing people together for them. I was doing it for me. So just that that shift over time and realization. Now on the outside, did anything really change? Did it look any different? No, but it was this inward heart change on my part. So there you go. A little bit of a pride, shame, humility, and recognizing that, you know, before God and before people, I'm enough as I am. And yeah, I'm loved. I love that you brought shame into the conversation too, because that that's a good, uh, another vocab word to throw into. There's a lot of nuance and a lot of distinction between all of these words that we're rattling off. So that was good. Thank you for, for bringing that in. And here's the, here's the Brene Brown part. Okay. Here's the Brene Brown part. Um, the difference between sympathy and empathy. So some people might hear that, you know, this idea of, you know, the poor little, the poor little kid who doesn't think that anybody likes him. Oh, I feel so sorry for you. That there is sympathy. Sympathy is this idea of this is something that happens to other people. That's not something me and people like me do. And it points the finger. It creates this sense of distance. It pushes the other person, says, you are other than me. Empathy gets down in the dirt and says, oh, yeah, man, we've all been there. We've all done that. We've all felt that feeling of not being good enough. And we can sit right there with you in it and empathize with you. So that's the difference between sympathy and empathy. And empathy is what allows us to form deep relationships with one another. And that's also how Jesus connects with us. That God steps off his throne, dwells among us, walks with us, gets to know us, gets down in the dirt with us. And that's where God meets us in humility. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Brene Brown, most of all. <laughs> that's good. That's really good stuff. I I think an aspect of humility that goes with what, what Ben was saying, too, is there's uh, um, humility isn't like a devaluing of something. It's not like uh, making something lesser. I think it's like... Um, understanding the truth or the accuracy of of something because like um, the uh, pride is almost like making something inaccurate making it all about you um, so the opposite of of pride isn't shame because shame isn't accurate either like it's it's not uh, a true understanding of oneself um, uh, so like humility has this sort of truth this accuracy of like uh, this is like what I'm good at and I'm good at this thing for like 
all these other reasons that have helped me to be good at this thing. Um, uh, pride is like, hey, I'm good at this because I'm just awesome. Like <laughs> it's like uh, it's having an accurate understanding of oneself and one's relation uh, with God. And so, um, so yeah, to to think of like humility often people will try to say like oh i'm not good at this thing i'm not really all that special or i'm not like great at this like that that's not humility because that's also not accurate wait so humility isn't like self-deprecation which i love like saying i'm the worst i am awful i (laughs) in like a jokey way but that also is really sad and indicative of some wounds there is that what you're saying yeah yeah and, you know i i think our community is way too good at that too so like that we are we are we're so good at that yeah and that's a great distinct we're making so many distinctions and differentiations right now of humility self-deprecation shame uh all of these words yeah i mean these this is good this is like i hope everyone's taking notes, putting these words on flashcards. We're going to have a quiz at the end of the of the episode and see what you guys have learned. To that end, um, obviously nobody that is listening is going to see this, but for those of you that recognize this audio clip and those of you that are going to fight me on copyright, you know, whatever, this is what a lot of people, I think, think humility is. Can't hear anything. There's nothing. The copywriter is already ahead of you. <laughs> You'll have to describe it for us. What was that? Okay, so it's the monks from Monty Python and the Holy Grail, where they're smacking themselves in the head with the books, you know, as they're they're walking ahead of the witch trial thing. And for for a lot of people, I mean, it's this idea of what is human. Oh, it's self-flagellation before God. Oh, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. Woe is me. Um, I don't know who is me is, but I don't like them. And <laughs> yeah. You know, this is the second Monty Python reference in like the last month that I've never seen this movie. I don't know what you're talking about, but it sounds <laughs> it sounds like I'm missing out on a lot right now. I'll send you the specific clip. Okay. And, and yeah, that, that'll be fine. This came up with Eugene and Eugene's combo cast like last month. <laughs> so crazy. Tom, we need to pause everything and we'll take a two and a half hour break. Actually, I don't think the Holy Grail is that that long, but it's uh we'll watch it and well And then continue the podcast. <laughs> that'd be so fun. Yeah, so this idea of self-flagellation. And again, that's not, that's not humility. That's, that's shame. So like we're, we're talking about in some ways defining our terms here. And in my estimation, I mean, what is true biblical humility? And I mean, we could just pull up a bunch of Bible verses on humility, but for me, it goes back to the idea of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And it keeps going on from there, but just those opening statements there in the Sermon on the Mount, 
what does it mean to be poor in spirit? It means that we come to the table with nothing. We contribute nothing to our salvation. It's all of God and none of us. And we acknowledge that. It's not us coming in and going, oh, why is me? But it's going, God, we don't have anything. And we're at the mercy of your grace. And he takes us in that state and he raises us up as sons and daughters. He doesn't leave us in that poor in spirit. He says, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's not a future thing. It's not we have to wait until eternity to walk in that space. We are in it now. We we claim it now. So humility is recognizing our place that we bring nothing to the table, but also walking in that space before the face of God as his sons and daughters for his glory. Um, earlier, Will brought up the Heidelberg Catechism, I think it was. Personally, I prefer the Westminster Shorter Catechism, which the first question in that, uh, what is the chief end of man? And uh, Will Cooper, do you happen to know what the chief end of man is? Oh, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Oh, just a wonderful catechism. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And I like that because it's it's hopeful. And it also recognizes our standing in relation to God. It's not self-flagellation. It's one of enjoyment but it puts the focus back on him and it's about glorifying him. Humility and joy. Ooh, a little teaser for joy coming up in our next episode. And and can we get a little theological here? Is that is that allowed? I'll allow it. Okay. I'll be I'll be quick. Um often um uh well within historical theology, um the, the Westminster uh, uh, Catechism and the Heidelberg Catechisms come from a similar theological background, but people have always noticed how they emphasize different things. So the beginning of the Heidelberg begins with, I am not my own, but belong to God. Um, and the Westminster is uh, to uh, glorify and enjoy God. And so, um, so people often like to uh, say that those are two sides of the same coin and they emphasize different aspects that every Christian needs to realize that they belong to God and that there's joy within that. And so, and I think this really relates to, to humility in, in uh, a variety of ways that, that we've mentioned that Ben has, has mentioned uh, that there is joy involved with humility. It's uh, recognized where we belong. That's with humility. And I think the the Sermon on the Mount with Jesus is um, another, uh, like, I'm glad that you brought that, that up because like the, for example, like the meek shall inherit the earth. Like normally you'd think the powerful will, will inherit uh, the earth, but the um, there's power within the the meekness within the humility it's not just uh us being passive uh um sort of people when we're humble like uh there there's something uh powerful within that so there's just a whole lot of just wonderful stuff there so wonderful um you guys we need to we need to get some yabber feedback going and so i want to read a couple of our comments and then if you have any comments on the comments comment 
on the comments. So here's what one of our yabbers had to say about humility. It's only been a couple weeks since a straight friend of mine told me about your other brother's podcast, which sidebar, what, what is that about? I want more story there. Straight friend told you about Yop? Okay, cool. Um, continuing with the comment. I've listened to many episodes and I was always going to respond, but never did. So here goes. And then he says, I love your podcast. Okay, the blazing part of my answer was during my marriage, I became emotionally attached to my pastor and he to me. Only time I felt loved is when I was around him and holding and touching him. I convinced myself it was okay because it was the best thing ever and kept me going day to day. Things were progressing toward more th more other things, and we knew that we would be sorry for continuing, and he cut it off. I was devastated and was deep in my pity party and needed to have one, but realized I was never going to be the same. As soon as the boys were in college, my wife of 25 years and I separated. I was so depressed and went into debt over the next three years and lived in six different places. I thought we were going to get back together, but she said that was not going to happen and that we could live on opposite sides of our duplex. It's crazy and weird and frustrating and humbling and gut-wrenching because I'm feeling like a failure. Meanwhile, my dog is having a split personality going back and forth between sides through the doggy doors. It's been a while, and now I feel I'm finally in the denying myself part of my journey. It's taken me 60 years to have my eyes open to the fact that yes, I am gay, and it's okay to say that. That's big for me. I finally come to the conclusion that I'm a Christian man, who struggles with same-sex attraction, and I'm also a gay man who truly wants to be with another man and still yearns for that, and yet has chosen a life of celibacy because I believe that this is what the Bible says and that marriage is God's gift to us. And for some unknown reason, then I'm always convicted to the point of giving it up because of what Jesus did for us. My struggle or bent or my birth or my want or my need or desires don't compare with what Jesus went through for me. I just know it's true and it's okay. I can question and ask and beg and plead and cry and yearn that it could be different. And then I'm blown away by Jesus and know that his way is best for me. So I go forward. Most days with a small pit in my stomach and once in a while, I'll have a really hard couple of days, but with counseling and friends and preachers and thank you big time for the Yobcast and all things associated with it. Yeah, I just appreciate, man, like the... I'm just, I'm constantly blown away because for the most part, I feel bad that for the most part on these Yobcasts, we have a bunch of millennials running the show, you know, it's like, we're all millennials. We're all like in our thirties, maybe high twenties, um, for the guys that appear on this show. But, um, but we have a community that goes other directions to other generations. And I'm just so grateful for, um, for guys like this one who have seen some things, who have been around longer, who have just way more life experiences and more things going on um, that they can contribute to this community and be a part of it and share their story. Um, I'm so glad. I'm just, that just made me smile so much to see um, how much someone can find a home with us and with our stories, even though we might be two or three or four decades <laughs> younger. Um, but that whole concept of humility and, um, and again, banking, banking on God's story being better. Something that's beautiful about the acorn, which is beautiful about the mustard seed is that, you know, it's going to take a while. It's going to take a while for that mustard seed to turn into anything. It's going to take a while for that acorn to, to be planted and to, to blossom and to grow. But, um, but I don't know. I just, I have a faith that I know you guys do too, that, um, that one day, one day we'll see that acorn turn to an oak and, um, it's going to be a beautiful day when we're in that forest that forest of oak trees in paradise, you know, plus whatever mustard seeds turn into. Mustard trees? What do they turn into?
Anytime I hear the word hope, just about that song from the Prince of Egypt comes to mind. There can be miracles if you believe. Though hope is frail, it's hard to kill. And it's one of those hard and painful ideas, though, that hope is only partially realized this side of eternity. And that's hard. That's hard. So humility, surrendering and going, okay, this this hurts right now, but I'm going to choose to trust and I'm going to choose to wait for that realization someday. Yeah, we reference uh, that good old Prince of Egypt song in our Hope podcast. Um, and I think there's so much humility embedded in that of just, again, that surrender to a power greater than ourselves. Um, someone, yeah, that we're, we've staked our stories to. I think that's beautiful. Here's another Yabber comment, you guys. They're so good. You guys have really picked up your game when you guys leave these comments. They are, I don't know, something's happened over the last year that the comment quality has just risen, risen exponentially. Uh, here's what another Yabber had to say about our humility topic. I feel like God has me in a season right now in which he's teaching me humility. Prior to this, I never thought pride was something I needed to work on. Perhaps that was because of the pride. But God has made it painfully obvious, like legit pain and sorrow to me, that I need to work on some things. It's interesting to see how Satan will place people and situations in front of me in order to ask, did God really say dot, dot, dot? A month or so ago, I told one of my good friends, who's at least nominally a Christian, about my decision to remain celibate in light of my sexuality and what scripture says about it. She, of course, meant well, but the first thing she did was talk about how she feels parts of the Bible belong in the past because times have changed and postmodern problems require postmodern interpretations of scripture. Essentially, we don't live in the culture of the Bible, so some things found within don't apply to us. I responded by saying that I believe the Bible is the authoritative word of God. Who am I to say some of God's words should be disregarded and thrown out? She didn't really understand or have a response to that. Her fiance, who was raised Catholic but has distanced himself from the church, seemed to understand better than her and expressed his support for my decision. With how God had spoken up about my pride leading up to this conversation with my friend, I feel like this was something of a test to see if I'd really been listening. Other conversations have arisen too, including a couple with my mother in which she openly questioned my ability to remain celibate and if being involved with this group, you're the brothers, was wise. I see these moments as Satan's ways of speaking to my pride. I've had to consciously say to myself and others that I will follow what the Lord says. I will follow him. I will obey him. It's a heavy cross, but a Christian's got to do what a Christian's got to do. Yeah, I don't know if any stories come to mind from you guys about resistance of people just telling you to get a boyfriend already or or whatever. But I know that comes up in our community constantly, um, which again, just speaks to this va this value, this virtue of humility of just like if we feel called to to follow this path that God has for us, regardless of what the culture or our family or our friends or church people or not church people. I mean, it's across the board. It's like there's there's a resistance and there's a, a um, I don't know. It's just, it's, this is not an uncommon story that people have. And, um, and that's, I'm glad, I'm glad they shared that. And I'm, I'm just grateful that, um, we have a community that we can rally around when we feel like the world might be against us or we might have a group of people against us. Um, the support here is, is invaluable.
I I get that comment all the time, and it, really, uh, and I both cringe, uh, and it makes me laugh because like the the part that makes me cringe is I'm like, do, do people think that I'm just like so dumb that I haven't thought about these things? <laughs> like, it's, uh, if it's, someone thinks that Will Cooper is dumb, then they're dumb. Because <laughs> my goodness, you're one of the smartest, like amazing people I know. I'm trying to think of a humble response, but anyway, <laughs> take that affirmation to the bank. There you go. So I do have to share one thing where is this humility or is this pride? And I'm going to let you guys judge me on this. Um, when people bring up scripture that, you know, we've obviously heard before, and this isn't in the context of sexuality, although it could be, could be brought up in a similar fashion. Um, the idea when somebody brings up to you, have you claimed the blood of Jesus over your sexuality or over your sickness or, you know, insert whatever thing you want to in here where the person is basically saying, name it and claim it in Jesus' name. And obviously God's going to heal you from it. Um, now, when I was pastoring, I always felt very compelled to answer with tact and with humility and with grace. But there was a time recently where somebody had brought up uh, the idea of naming and claiming the blood of Jesus over Marie when she was going through her cancer. Now, she'd already had surgery for it at this point, okay? So we're post-surgery at this point. And somebody asked me, have you claimed the blood of Jesus over over her cancer. And at this point, I wasn't pastoring anymore. And I realized, you know, this is kind of triggering. And I actually don't have to stay in this conversation. And my response at that point was, um, I appreciate your heart in this, but this isn't a conversation that I want to have with you right now. So I'm going to have to say goodbye. Is that humility? Is that pride? Is that drawing boundaries? What's the line is the question I want to ask. What, yeah, what is the line where something suddenly steps over the line into pride? That's so interesting. As you're sharing that though, I'm like cringing because Christians are the worst. <laughs> but I also, it's, I'm on a journey of learning that I am a Christian. I am the church. I'm part of the church. So I need to like own the times that I've been cringy and I've been awful in the past because I have been. Again, I'm so good at saying how awful I am, you guys. But, um, but I know there, there's, we all have our stories. We all have our stories of a, a Christian who just doesn't, doesn't get it or doesn't isn't empathetic on meeting us where we are and whatever struggles we're facing or, or seasons of life that are not going well. Um, yeah, it's, it's it, it can be rough. <laughs> it can be a rough situation. Since I felt kind of good actually cutting them off, I'm going to go ahead and label myself and say it was a little bit prideful. Maybe, but good boundaries yeah. too. I think that's wise and that's prudent of you. Yeah. Well, judge me, Will Cooper. Judge me. <laughs> because, you know, that's that's what I'm all about. I'm all about that judgment. Um, I, I think like my philosophy side is coming out here uh, uh, because like relating like Ben's comment with the the Yabber comment that was just read, a lot of this does like um, go into the realm of postmodernism, 
and uh, that's often like uh, a dirty word with with Christians because uh, they often interpret it as like uh, no truth versus truth. And the way this relates to Ben's story is this person was trying to push this sort of um, truth claim or truth action that this thing had to be done. Um, and it's just like that, that didn't really fit the, the context or the history or, or, or the, uh, those sorts of, uh, sorts of things. And I think a healthy response, um, and to that Yabber's, uh, comment earlier of like, like, um, uh, how can you like set aside, uh, your desires to, to follow the Bible or, or to follow that truth uh, truth for a Christian is not just a, a pithy statement or it's or it's not just a claim. It's a, a relationship with the truth. Uh, Jesus, the word of God made flesh like it's it's a relational dynamic for for Christians. And I think that's how it exists within uh, this sort of postmodern context that we're in, because Christians also shouldn't say that truth is a statement or a claim, but it's this relationship with the truth. There's this dynamic and it can fit very well within postmodernism when you take that approach. And I think a more biblical approach to, to truth. Um, and so uh, when you see it as a relational dynamic, you're no longer using truth to hammer something on top of people. Uh, you're not using it to hurt people. You're, uh, um, it, it has more of a humble, I guess, dynamic uh, to it. I don't know if any of that made sense. Uh, uh, those of you who have studied Derrida and postmodernism, you might understand what I just said. But Will keeps putting putting it out there. He's trying to find his people. He's trying to find his his people within a people. Yeah, come on, fives. I need you. <laughs> he, needs, he needs you. Well, that's good stuff, man. You guys you guys have a lot to say. Um, I had one more comment I wanted to make sure we read before we run out of time today. So one last comment from the Yabbers. Again, all amazing. He said this, For years, I tried to be something I wasn't, namely a straight male. Looking back on the struggle of those years, I realized that humility never entered the picture. But instead, I operated under a prideful delusion that I could somehow achieve heterosexuality. I would cycle from that delusional pride to a place of denial where I refused to admit I wasn't changing. And then from there to despair when I could no longer deny I wasn't changing. After many years of that cycle, I finally sunk into a place of long-term despair. It was a brutal midlife crisis that went on for years. I didn't find humility there either, but God ultimately used that crisis to bring me to a place of humility. When I finally came out to myself at the end of that midlife crisis, it was very much an act of humility because for the first time I realized I couldn't make myself acceptable to God. But to my incredible surprise, I discovered that God was completely willing to accept me as I was, same-sex attraction and all, which was even more humbling, but not in any kind of a negative way. It's a joyful, freeing, life-giving kind of humility that could only be a gift from God. I think it's that same God-given fruit of humility that has enabled me to find more respect than before for those who hold different views from mine, even different views about sexual morality. When I was prideful, I tended to be judgmental, but I found that humility produces more compassion and mercy. While I believe the Bible teaches God intended sex only for marriage between one man and one woman, I also admit that I'm not God and don't get to decide for him how far his grace extends. I do know I've been the beneficiary of his extravagant love, grace, and compassion, and so I'm much more likely to extend that to others and let God be the judge. It takes humility to realize that I don't have all the answers. 
And that's the kind of humility I have found incredibly freeing and joyful. Another great <laughs> comment there. He, he touches on a lot there, that comment at the end about just kind of the mystery of God. Like there are just some things we don't know and don't understand. And that can be an infuriating place, certainly a place of anger with God. Um, but I think I, I've been learning in my life to just kind of embrace the mystery and embrace the not knowing um, and just to, to, to kind of rest in this joyful life-giving humility that he described there. I think that's great. Um, and I think going back to the top of the comment, like I was thinking about why so many of our community identifies as gay, because I think we've all heard the label debate about you shouldn't label yourself that way, you know, label yourself SSA or same-sex attracted. I'm not saying that if, if anyone listening, and I'm, I know that there are people who do prefer to label themselves that way, that that's wrong or anything. But I think the point is like for people that do label themselves gay, I think for me, and it, this has been a journey for me because I was very resistant to that word for years. Um, I think for me, it is a humbling word to just recognize, like call to call a spade a spade and be like, this is what it is. Like this is a proclivity I have. And this is how I'm wired that if left to my own devices, being gay and pursuing a boyfriend and pursuing male sex and pursuing et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, dot, dot, dot. Like, um, I think to me, it's just a point of, of just kind of being humble and just recognizing what's, what it is. Um, and not trying to achieve heterosexuality kind of like he was describing in his, in his comment at the beginning. So, um, I know everyone takes different angles and lenses onto, onto different labels like gay and queer, um, and the LGBT plus, um, acronym, but I just, uh, I don't know. I just thought that was, uh, these three comments on humility, because that was the last comment, um, touched on so many aspects of the humility in our community. So it was, it was awesome to see that cross-section naturally unfold that way. I had a conversation with my brother-in-law recently um, about going into the whole backstory. I Did I show you guys the shirts that I wore to the really conservative church? I can't remember. I can't remember all the controversial things you've done on this show. <laughs> okay, so... I went to a really conservative church, um, and one of the things that I'd said to Marie was, I don't want to go to a church that I wouldn't feel safe inviting people to. And she was the one that had actually suggested wearing some pride apparel to church. And I'm going to try to abbreviate the story. The pastor was preaching through the book of Genesis, and it just so happened on the Sunday that I wore my first pride shirt, he was preaching on the end of Genesis 1, you know, so God creates man and woman. And I wore a shirt that said, I will say gay, I will protect trans kids. So, of course, he touched on homosexuality and, of course, touched on, you know, trans identity, gender identity and stuff in his sermon. And I got a lot of looks um from people but here's the thing there was opportunity to like do the shaking hands thing there's opportunity to talk afterward not a single person brought up anything about it and a couple of weeks later i wore another shirt that said uh jesus loves all his sheep and it had sheep with different you know pride flag colors um and again the pastor hit pretty hard on gay identity stuff and gender uh gender issues as well so was that a prideful thing to do? And my brother-in-law asked me, why, why do that? And my answer to him was, uh, you know, I'm willing to, to say these things out loud for those that are still suffering in silence. 
You know, and one of the things that's uh, part of being a counselor, it's in the preamble to the American Counseling Association is one of the roles of a counselor is advocacy, where there is disparity in how people are treated. We are to advocate for a, a better life. We're supposed to try and bring about change. So even within the church behavior that could potentially look prideful, part of it is what's the motivation behind what we're doing? Am I trying to get up in people's face and go, Woo, look, I'm gay and I'm proud? It, is it as much about for me as much as it is about for that person that's still in the closet and doesn't know if their church is a safe place, that they'll actually be accepted if they if they come out, that they'll know that their pastor isn't going to throw them under the bus or pull them out of ministry or whatever. Um, sometimes humility is carrying the cross for somebody else so that they don't have to. And some people might interpret that as pride, but I don't think it is. Yeah, that's so fascinating of just like, yeah, you're right. Because absolutely people looked at you that day and probably saw a lot of pride. And then, But then I totally see from your vantage point, the humility aspect and... Um, like I don't know, this is this is such a a charged topic. Um, we'll have we have lots of label discussions. Like if you check out our blog, and we've had podcasts. And later this year, I'm contemplating doing another series on labels. Which, if I feel up for it, we'll see. We'll see what the what the year unfolds as far as like getting into getting into Pride Month and just like um, you know, I won't I won't share more about that right now. But like I just. Um, I just know that there's so many ways people see this. And if I, I think if we can just expand some empathy instead of saying that using the word gay is always wrong 100% of the time and just try to figure out why, like why are well-intentioned people choosing to identify as that um, in the side B world, in this Yab community? Um, it's my hope that within the community, certainly, but then beyond the community too for churches and ministries and anyone reading or listening to our content that you can see kind of more of, more of the heartbeat that hopefully comes across more as humble than prideful. I really want to linger on a little bit more, even with the, um, the yobbers who commented where like, uh, um, realizing that they're gay playing a part in the, in the process of, of humility. Uh, because like, I, I think part of it highlights what, what we've talked earlier about the opposite of pride isn't shame. Um, and often uh, with uh, identities, whether the identities or labels are are right or wrong or whatnot, there is often shame associated with it. And what what you see in those moments is um, uh, kind of this realization that to be humble isn't to be ashamed of the um situation the orientation the sexuality whatnot that that the person has uh and so i think there's something quite beautiful and powerful in in those uh realizations that um to uh, uh be humble is not to be ashamed of this situation that i'm in some years ago your other brothers reached uh, crossroads. We had started our little website, a hodgepodge of humans, young and old of varying denominations and faith traditions, sexual identity labels from all around the world. And it was a beautiful thing for a group of people who had never met before. 
our first meeting and virtual communication went so well. We got along so well. We loved blogging. We loved recording podcasts, loved connecting with other men through this medium of story. We were storytellers after all, and Yab was a story, a story being written one blog, one podcast, one Zoom call at a time. And looking back now, I have to show myself some grace that I didn't know what I was doing. I had never started a community before, more than just a community, but what felt like a veritable movement in a side B space that really wasn't very clearly articulated at the time. I couldn't have known then what I know now, which is we needed to know what we believed. We needed to write it down. We needed it to be visible, not just for anyone who clicked onto our website, but for ourselves as the ones contributing. Back then when everything was so new and the momentum was so palpable, it was easy to just assume, oh yes, the Lord is in this and it cannot fail. We were growing in numbers and growing in enthusiasm. And it was too easy to think that something like that could just naturally last forever without any sort of bearing, without any sort of direction about where we were going. We said we were navigating faith, homosexuality, and masculinity together, and it gave lots of room for people trying to figure out what they believed. And what it ultimately started leading to was people not just in one boat going one direction, but people jumping overboard, finding other boats going similar or for some completely opposite directions. I wasn't too sure we were actually following the same star in the sky, the same star of hope that had brought us together felt like it was driving us apart. And now I wondered, where would we go from here? To put it simply and also devastatingly, I was humbled at that crossroads, at that crosswaters, faced with the choice to follow what I believed was the true light and the true hope in the sky, or to follow other lights and other souls. I followed the light and I fell to my defeated knees night after night for quite a while. Not at all triumphant, not at all confident that I could continue. It was in that moment as gut-wrenching as it was for many to walk away. When the dust settled, when the sun rose the next morning, I realized there were still quite a few, quite a good number actually, still in the boat with me and still willing to press on to set sail once again. And that feeling, that experience was another sort of humbling altogether to realize that truly your other brothers wasn't anything about my effort, about how good of an editor I was or how good of a community organizer I was. It wasn't even about a, how good 
the people were. It was about how good God is, how faithful he is to bring the right people and to bring the right talents and to bring the right stories into this greater story that he's writing. And during a time when your other brothers could have easily folded, could have easily stopped, could have easily had a two or three year run and simply died out. God has truly intervened and made this story about him. For as long as I'm involved, I long for the heartbeat of this community, the heartbeat of our website, the heartbeat of our Zoom calls and retreats to be a reflection of the God that we serve, the God that we follow, the God that is faithful to provide, even when all else has felt stripped away, when we've been veritably humbled and brought to our knees with nothing left to hold on to but Him. In that sweet place that He receives the glory, receives all the accolades, receives all the worth. And I know as a community, I pray that Jesus is constantly worth following, constantly worth having everything be stripped away for. And I want that to be true in my life too. Christ's Beatitudes are words that have shaken the foundations of the earth ever since he uttered them from that hill. Incredible words that speak of a completely backwards kingdom. Everything flipped from how we think it should be, from the way it usually is in this world. His words are a comfort to those who feel like they're constantly in the back of the crowd falling further and further behind, feel as if they have nothing left in their tanks. In Matthew 5, Jesus says this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. And so, fellow sparrows, for the times when this journey of sacrifice, this carrying our cross, feels difficult, daunting, even impossible, May you be reminded, may you be existentially assured that you do not carry your cross alone. Fellow brothers and sisters and siblings of saints throughout the ages have carried and continually carry this cross too. Jesus himself carried a literal cross and may you rest in this deed and in his own words that the poor, the mourning, the meek, the hungry and thirsty, 
the merciful, the pure, the peacemakers, the persecuted and reviled, these are the ones who will inherit the earth. May we set aside all that hinders us and get on our knees and stay on our knees. This lowly place, this place of surrender, may it be a place of comfort, night after night, as Jesus meets us there, meets us through every tear of sacrifice. Blessed are you, for yours is the kingdom, an upside down kingdom for the last, a kingdom for the lowly, a kingdom for the eternally loved. If you're listening to this and you're asking yourself, am I humble or am I prideful? And you land with 100% certainty on either of those definitions, you're you're probably wrong. The answer is you're probably a mix of a little bit of both, depending on what area you're looking in. So run into the arms of Jesus, keep surrendering, keep seeking his face. And recognize that the more you run towards him, the more you'll look like him, the more humble you'll be. Awesome talk, guys. Yeah, this is really awesome. It almost sounds like a riddle. Like, what do you like? You become the more opposite of something, the more that you are, like the more humble you are, or the more, I don't know. I was, I was like, there's like a riddle in there somewhere. I love the relationship between humility and pride and all the other terms we referenced today. Um, this was just like, this is a fun dive into the English language and just kind of getting getting some clarification on on these terms and these words. Um, for anyone listening, we love story time. We love hearing from you. So if you go to yourotherbrothers.com slash podcast, you can find the episode 102 post on humility. You can tell us a story about times in your life or experiences that God has spoken to you and shown you. Um, seasons of humility, seasons of pride, um, how this intersects with sexuality and your faith. That would be awesome just to hear more from our community and those those that are lurking, we love our lurkers on the outside. Um, comment on our website, or if you want to call the Yob line, we always love hearing from our listeners, 706-389-8009. Or if you want to shoot a voice memo to podcast at yourotherbrothers.com, that works as well. Um, if anything we said today, whether on the humility side of things or... Um, or if you have some input on if an acorn is a nut or a seed or what it is, you can call the Abba and give us give us some clarification. That'd be awesome. Uh, we love we love our listeners. Thank you for all the awesome voicemails that you send. Thank you, acorns, whatever you are, for sponsoring this episode. Ben and Will, this was so fun. You know, I was I was kind of sad last time with Ryan and Aaron because we had such a fun time for our 100th episode. This is the only time we've ever done all five of us on the show. So it felt watered down last time, but this feels like we're getting back into a groove again with just three of us on the show. It's a more intimate space, a little less chaotic, certainly less chaotic in the editing bay <laughs> when I put these episodes together. So it was fun to see you guys again. Thanks for, for taking the time today to chat about humility. It was lovely. I am truly and deeply humbled to be here for this discussion. 
Thank you so much, Tom. That's it, man. I was going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) These guys are so humble, y'all. I am truly and deeply sorry that I was so much better than you (laughs) to get there before you. So much humility in this room. Uh, I love us. I love you, other brothers. Stay tuned next time. Value three of the of the value stones. We'll be talking about joy. So stay tuned for our joyful episode to come. Looking forward to that as we continue running through the gauntlet of all these all these values, all these stones in our community. Love it. I think that's gonna do it for today, though, for the humility episode. Uh, for all your other brothers, this is Tom. And this is Ben Rokowski. And this is Bill Cooper. Reminding you that you are not alone. Even the sparrow finds a home. See you next time, friends. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Your Other Brothers Podcast. Our show is edited and produced by Thomas Mark Zuniga. We'd love to hear your story. Comment on this or any of our episodes at yourotherbrothers.com slash podcast or share a story to play back on our show by calling us at 706-389-8009. You can also email us at podcast at yourotherbrothers.com or write to us at Your Other Brothers, PO Box 843, Asheville, North Carolina, 28802. If you enjoy our show, consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Your Other Bros. Finally, if you'd like to further support our storytelling, community building efforts, consider becoming a Yabber. Yabbers pledge monthly on Patreon and receive perks like bonus podcast content, regular group calls with fellow patrons and authors, and more. Visit patreon.com slash your other bros for more information. Until we journey next time, we're glad you're with us.